Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. Once again, it's a pleasure to be able to share an empowering hour. We begin with a Tokyo Medical and Dental University study about cacao or chocolate. And what it's saying is that the researchers looked at the effect of the flavanol-rich chocolate extract on fatigue and mood in healthy middle-aged Japanese women who have existing fatigue and high oxidative status at baseline. And so these are just normal, healthy people, middle-aged, and uh, when they had chocolate, not a lot, small amount, about what would be one of those little squares if you buy a chocolate bar, it brought up their energy level, and it also allowed them a better mood. So, a piece of chocolate each day can help fatigue away and put you in a better state of mind. Another study, and this is from Tokuku University in Japan, is that the soy isoflavones may aid with sleep. Yes, we have a nation that has got big sleep problems for a lot of reasons we've discussed. Not the least of which is going to bed with anxiety uh, or some sense of foreboding and or maybe staying up too late and having something to eat that's not good. It's in your stomach, you're creating an anabolic or build-up energy-creating system in the body. You should be in a catabolic, slowing down, cleansing, resting, so the body can cleanse. But the later at night you eat, the less likely you're going to have a good night's sleep. And by the way, much of the time when you wake up in the morning, what you had at evening is still in your stomach. Not good. So always try to prevent yourself from eating late at night, at least within four hours, because it would normally take four to five hours for something to digest properly. If you're really hungry, have some organic popcorn, or better still, have some lemon juice and cold water. That'll also help you sleep. And don't have your cell phones or electronic devices on. So the bottom line is that in soybeans, and we're talking about organic soybeans, you have chemicals called ISO, I-S-O, flavones, F-L-A-V-O-N-E-S. And they help insomniacs to get sleep. And that's important. In fact, there was a study at another university that showed that uh, they have positive benefits overall in the body because they represent something similar to a human estrogen, which modulates sleep during and quality and in some populations, with weak estrogenic effects. What happens when you get older? You have less estrogen. As a result, you have harder time going to sleep. So, one more thing, a functional food that can functionally give you a better night's sleep. Now, from the University of California, Davis, high folic acid and low B12 can affect fetal brain development. So, make sure that if you are pregnant, you're having a quality B complex each day with enough of the B12 and folic acid to make a difference. All right, just a B complex. That's simple. And that can help prevent neural tube defects such as spina bifida. And the folic acid is a synthetic form of folate has been added to vitamins and to give the person more into the body. It can help. Just a good B-complex to have a healthier child. How simple is that? Because a lot of people who are pregnant don't eat right. Another good study from the University of British Columbia shows that valuing your time more than money is linked to happiness. Valuing your time more than the pursuit of money is linked to a greater happiness according to a study published in the Society for Personality and Social Psychology. In six studies with more than 4,600 participants, researchers found an almost even split between people who tended to value their time or money. And that choice was a fairly consistent trial uh, basis. So here's what it comes down to. If all you do is focus every day on making more money to buy things, maybe things you feel are necessary, but let's say you make enough money for the necessities of life, then just working harder to make more money won't allow happiness 
Whereas if you value your time each day and say, I want to spend time today with my loved ones or with my family, you know, spending some time on the phone with mom and dad, how they're doing, not just a cursory quick, oh, everything all right, good, goodbye. No. How about calling up friends saying, let's go out to dinner. That is important. Spending quality time with your pets, that's important. Taking the time to read and read something that's important to you, that's good. Taking time to listen to music without doing something. We tend to think we have to multitask. How many times, for example, if we were to have a camera in your kitchen where we see you on the phone with one point of view, you're talking to someone, you're standing there eating something that's not healthy, and uh, but also there's something going on in the background, maybe some music. Where every time you focus on something, your energy is divided to that point. So if you're driving in a car and it's rainy and you've got the radio on and you're coming up to your turn, you don't know exactly where it's at, the likelihood is you'll turn off the radio because it redirects your attention. That's why at all of our retreats, we eat in silence because then you're focusing upon the moment you're in how the food feels, the mouthfeel, we call it, the taste, the aftertaste, the sense of satiety, completeness. And we put our fork and spoon down between each bite and focus upon just being in a very comfortable place, a quiet place. And because otherwise, when you're talking and eating, you'll remember neither the food nor the conversation. So if you're going to have a conversation, have a conversation. But make it before or after the meal. But we've customized this idea that they all have to go together. If all you're doing each day is focusing upon getting ahead, then where's the quality time to appreciate the day itself? Its meaning, its purpose. Just suggesting. That's what the study's showing. Good for them for sharing it. And also, from the University of California, San Francisco, even in midlife, Disrupted sleep is tied to memory and thinking problems later. Now, what is midlife? Today, based upon the latest statistics that I just checked, the average lifespan of the average male in the United States is 75. Actually, it's closer to 74. We've lost five years in the last four years. We've never had this in American history before. All over the world, people are living into their mid-80s, late-80s, 90s, and we're lucky to make it with a lot of diseases into our mid-70s, which is one of the reasons a lot of people are going to places to have euthanasia. By the way, on my next program, I'm doing a program on euthanasia, and I can't play the whole thing because it's just too depressing. I mean, your heart just breaks when you see these people talking about, yeah, I'm going to be in my life because I have some pain and it's chronic pain and the doctors can't do anything and they're giving me opiates and that spaces me out. And so what's there to live for? And I'm talking about some kids in their 20s and 30s. I'm talking about kids now deciding to check out of life because they're having a hard time. They don't have the skills to cope with the real world. And that's unfortunate. All of those have positive solutions. I don't believe anyone should be committing suicide until they've tried everything. They think they've tried everything. They haven't. All right? I never will forget the true story. In fact, we filmed it so you can watch it up on uh, GaryNall.com. It's a little off the topic, but it's also important because today midlife is about uh, 37. So 37 you're on the way out of life from thereafter. Everything's going to get worse. Your skin, your muscles, your hormones, your susceptibility to cancers and disease. And if you're already, by that age, diabetic or overweight, then you're going to live a much shorter life. You'll be lucky to make it in your mid-60s. In any case, I get a call one day from Richard Gale, my executive producer of the show. And he says, there's a woman calling and uh, she says, can you see her? 
to give her a protocol because she's got very bad pain from cancer. She's got a tumor on her knee. I said, sure. So I, I speak to her, and she says, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. I'm a nurse. I'm an oncology nurse for 40 years. So there's nothing in orthodox medicine that's going to stop this. I had a meeting with all the oncologists that I work with every day, and they say, there's, don't try one of these experimental drugs. They never, ever work. And uh, so just put your life in order. Take a trip someplace while you can. And she said, but I'm in excruciating pain. I can't walk. I'm in a wheelchair. And she had cancer all over the body. I mean, when I say all over the body, I mean total metastasis to the brain, to the breast, to the liver, uh, to the lungs. And then you saw huge tumor here on her chest and then on her, on her, right on her uh, kneecap. And she's, I've tried all alternative therapies. Nothing works, Gary. So do you have a protocol that would just allow me until I pass not to be in as much pain? I said, why ask for something that little? Why not ask, can you deal with the cancer? Well, it can't be done. I said, yes, it can. At least try. So it turns out I was doing a retreat, and uh, she came down. And uh, because I had no other time, and the retreat started the next day. So she came. She was in a wheelchair, and we put her on the first floor so she wouldn't have to walk anyplace. And she was with a walker also. And that was on day one. Two weeks later, when everyone was leaving, they were in the gym. And who do we see dancing? Dancing. Well, it was Joyce. And uh, Joyce was dancing, having a great time. So then we have our final meal. We're all in a room, staff and everyone. And I say, if anyone would like to say anything about their experience here, please do. Now, the woman with multiple sclerosis for 32 years in a wheelchair, 16, she couldn't do anything. And uh, she says, I... I'd like to show you something. Now, mind you, she couldn't stand. She couldn't walk. And, uh, and she, when she was with a walker, a guy named Charles, very nice guy, was there to help. He would lift one leg and put it down. Her, her cousin would lift the other leg and put it down while she's holding the walker. So they were walking for her by moving her legs. Anyhow, she gets up, and she stands up. She has her walker there. She puts her walker to the side, and she walks out alone, unaided, and everyone's gasping. And, and uh, fortunately, everyone got out to their cell phones to film this because nobody would believe it. And uh, she gave me a hug and says, uh, I didn't believe this was possible. My cousin did. But not to be outdone, Joyce gets up, and she says, I don't know what to do, but I have no pain. The physical tumors that were on my body are gone. And then she says, but don't take my word for it. Take, and there's a woman named Jan, who was one of the oncologists. Ask her, because all these doctors were, you know, doing all kinds of, you know, physical exams on me and, and wondered where in the hell these tumors went. Well, she was having a great time. And the next day she went home and she went into the hospital where she worked for 40 years and they did every cancer test they could on her. No cancer left in her body. Okay, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe she was the one person in world history that reversed every single thing in her body. And that's what orthodox medicine would like you to know. They never want to give credit to anyone or anything else or any other system, which is why we're in the mess we are today with so many people dying of diseases that could be prevented or impacted in a positive way, but they won't allow any alternative therapies ever. And that's unfortunate. For me, it's just normal retreat, focusing upon health and positive energy and positive thoughts. And uh, you have no idea the power of a positive thought. And that's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. 
What we're going to do now is we're going to look at three different clips. And during these clips, they're very important because they're issues that impact everyone. If you remember, last week, we played a clip from a congressional hearing where the head of the committee, Jim Jordan, was challenging the FBI because the FBI, as it were shown, and he held up the letters, internal letters from the White House, top people, and the FBI showed that they were meeting with, they were meeting with Facebook and Google and uh, all the social media and telling them, here's who you're going to ban, here's who you're going to silence, and here's what you'll allow to be played. Okay, so that was interfering in the election, big time. Just remember, do you remember all the people, the FBI, do you remember 51 of the top intelligence agency heads, including head of the CIA, the head of the National Security Agency, head of the Homeland Security, all said the same thing. Uh, we believe that the Hunter Biden laptop is probably a Russian. They knew it wasn't. Not one of those 51 people had even looked at the laptop. They were working in unison, but they're the deep state. They had to take the pressure off Biden because if it were shown that the laptop was legitimate and they already had determined it was, so they're lying, out and out lying. Their own investigation showed the laptop was legitimate. Therefore, all those calls about doing business with different countries and different individuals, that was legitimate. So just before the election, they lied and said it wasn't real. And then they sent, spent the next four years trying to prove that it wasn't real with dozens of hearings, anything in the media they could do. All of it was a lie. Now remember that. They lied consistently, just like the Bush administration lied about you know, uh, weapons of mass destruction, just like Obama and the Clintons lied about Libya and Syria and Honduras and uh, Ukraine. They lied about everything. And yet, keep in mind, when you go to vote or you want to hear the latest on an article, maybe you'd want to hear the story of just those two, and there were six other people at that particular health support group, or not at uh, that retreat, who had remarkable recoveries. And there were, turns out, I didn't know this, there were seven medical doctors there. One of America's leading pain specialists who was married to one of the Sloan Kettering's top oncologists were both there, as was a, a woman named Kiefer, Dr. Kiefer, very nice woman, her, her husband, Jan Kiefer, really terrific, out front of the issues kind of guy. I mean, he's really connected to all the world issues. And she's 22 years oncologist at the University of a Pennsylvania professor. So you hear all these top-flight Orthodox doctors saying something they have no capacity to understand. They're seeing it, but they have a hard time believing it, even though they were actually working. I didn't even know this. They were meeting with Joyce on a regular basis for two weeks, and then they saw the tumors disappear. They couldn't figure that out. And to this day, I doubt that they fully understand what happened. But more importantly, there's nothing they can do about it because that takes a complete quantum change from what you thought your perception was. Your perception is your reality, and you believed in it completely, and now you see that you can deconstruct it, and there's another reality that can supersede it. So instead of putting all your money and effort and hope into the effort of healing, the effort of being honest, the effort of telling the right story, all the effort is never gets you the results. No one ever looks at the results. Could you imagine that? We built the most perfect plane in the world. Okay, but why is it 85% crash? Well, that's not important. It's our effort that we want to be acknowledged for and, re and, and rewarded for. So you see, you're dealing in very complex issues of, of human nature and the reptilian brain and the inability to recognize what's wrong in your own belief system, especially if you've never opened that door to self-awareness. And all you do is open the door that reinforces mirror after mirror after mirror, reflecting back, I'm a good person. I'm an honest person. And therefore, anything I feel must be right. So if I feel that you're wrong because you're the wrong race or wrong ethnicity, I'm right in you being wrong. It's all so stupid and childish and immature. It means our entire world is filled with people who have the wrong perception. Now, now go back to who do you believe? Well, let's Google something. Google 
and it's on a presidential election. Google was able to manipulate the algorithms. That's election interference, major, and only give you the information of a positive nature about one candidate and negative information about the other. They've already selected who they want to see voted for. That's interference. But also, COVID, they, they interfered. That's why the Comer Committee said, here is Facebook, here is Twitter, here's all these, and they all lied. They didn't allow the truth and freedom of speech and investigative reporting to come forward, only lies. So that's why the average person's confused. But I Googled, I went to Wikipedia. No, walk away from all these sources. Let's go to the clip now. This is a guy that you haven't heard. He is Dr. Robert Epstein. He is an outstanding scientist, and it's important you hear what he's having to say about how Google shifted six million votes to Joe Biden. Six million. That meant the election. So who manipulated the last election results? It wasn't Trump. It wasn't Russia. It was Google and the deep state that controls Google. Let's go to the clip. Welcome to the show, Dr. Robert Epstein. Thanks for coming here. My pleasure. Nice to meet you. So, well, here's your website. It says pioneering research to protect democracy and online safety. So tell me, tell us what that's about and how is Google influencing our elections? Well, I've been studying uh, Google and other tech companies for more than 11 years, uh, partly by running uh, controlled, randomized experiments, uh, presenting them at scientific meetings, uh, publishing in peer-reviewed journals. And I've learned a lot about the power that Google especially has to shift people's thinking and opinions and votes and purchases and so on and so forth. And uh, starting in 2016, I uh, developed a way of doing to them what they do to us and our kids uh, 24 hours a day. I developed a way of monitoring them, of surveilling them, and actually capturing the content that they are sending uh, to real people. That's very hard to do, by the way. The system we first set up in 2016 was quite small, but uh, with each election, we've set up larger and larger systems, and we're now building a permanent system in all 50 states, and we know without any doubt, because it's happened before, that this kind of monitoring system causes companies to back off on their manipulations, and we've done it before, and we're going to be doing this on such a large scale that we believe that these companies will back off permanently, both in their interference in our elections and in the kind of bizarre content that they're sending to our kids. By the way, I'm not a conservative, just so you know. So when you say, uh, so tell me how, what's the, so you're, you're talking about how Google, when you put something in for a Google search, how they decide to rank the information that they show you, right? So that's what you're talking about. And you're saying that it's nefarious and that their algorithm that does that um, is, is not, it's not like, it's, it's not neutral. Well, that's an understatement that when you start to type a search term and they're flashing search suggestions at you, they're already manipulating you from the very first character that you type. We've shown in controlled experiments that using search terms, manipulating search terms, we can turn a 50-50 split among undecided voters into more than a 90-10 split without anyone having the slightest idea that they've been manipulated. And that's just by suggesting Google search results to them that you can take a 50-50 uh, split in the electorate and you can ramp it up to 90-10. And, and that's being done through the manipulation of the algorithm around Google searches? Well, that's just the search suggestions. Now, once they show you search results, now that's another kind of manipulation. We have different names for these, and we've quantified them and, again, published in peer-reviewed journals. But now they're, once they show you search results, they're again manipulating you because they know that you're going to click at the high-ranking search results, and if they support one candidate or one party or one cause, they're going to put at the top of that list links that take you to web pages that support their point of view. 
Now, does that shift everyone's opinion about things? Of course not. It shifts the people who are on the fence. It shifts the people who are undecided. And Google especially knows exactly who those people are. And those are the people who decide which uh, candidate wins an election. Yeah. By the way, that's only two manipulations I've just mentioned to you. We've discovered about a dozen, almost all of which are exclusively under the control of Google and a couple of other companies. And unlike the normal kinds of influence that impact us, like billboards and TV commercials, all that stuff is competitive. But if a Google, if a Google, a platform like Google, uh, wants to shift votes, wants to support one candidate or cause, there's nothing you can do. You can't oppose it with your own billboard. You can't oppose it with your own TV commercial because they control the filtering of those web pages, the ordering, as you said, the ranking of those web pages, the search suggestions that they flash at you, the answer boxes that they show you. There is nothing you can do to stop them if they're supporting one candidate or cause. But we have found a way to stop them, and that is by capturing all this ephemeral content, archiving it, analyzing it, making it known in real time what it is they're doing, literally showing you those manipulations. And when we do, they stop. Really? Why? What, what, really? Mm. I, I wouldn't think that they would care. <laughs> Why would they care that some professor is outing what they're doing? Because what they're doing is really important to them, and it makes them a lot of money, and it helps shift. So why would they care that you do that? That's an excellent question. I, I, I'm so glad you asked that question. You know, there was a professor a few years ago who discovered that Google's uh, Street View vehicles were not only taking pictures of all of our houses and businesses, they were also vacuuming up Wi-Fi data in more than 30 countries for more than four years. Yeah, passwords, you name it. Really? Yes, and it was a professor type just like me who figured that out. He reported that to some federal agency. They went after Google, and Google claimed anyway to have stopped, and they got fined, and they got sued. Uh, you know, believe me, there are times when they do care, and in 2020, we had so much data, we preserved 1.5 million ephemeral experiences through the computers of 1,735 registered voters in four swing states. So we were actually capturing real content that Google and other companies were sending to real voters. No way Google could stop us from doing that. We found such incredible bias uh, they shifted, we know for sure, more than 6 million votes to Joe Biden, whom I supported. And, uh, uh, you know, I just, it doesn't matter whether they're supporting my candidate or not. I don't think a, a company, a private company that's not accountable to the public should have that kind of power. It undermines democracy. It makes it meaningless. But let me finish. The point is, we had so much data that I sent that off to uh, Senator uh, Cruz's office Three senators that very day sent a threatening letter to the CEO of Google, and on that very day, Google shut off all of their manipulations in Georgia, which is where there were two Senate runoff elections, November 5th, 2020. They shut off all of their manipulations. How do I know that? Because we were monitoring their content through more than 1,000 voters in Georgia, and we watched them shut off all their manipulations, including the worst one, which is a partisan go vote reminder. They send off a lot more go vote reminders on election day to one party than to another party. Ah. Ah. <laughs> and if you're not monitoring, if you don't have a monitoring system set up, you'll never know that they did that. And so how do you, what calculation, what is the, what is the logarithm you use to figure out that Eight, well, you, I know you said some like 2.1 million votes were shifted to Hillary, not enough for her to overcome. But also you just said 8 million for Joe Biden. How do you figure that out? Well, that's where the controlled experiments come in. Again, we've done, been doing those for more than 11 years. They're extremely rigorous. And they show us for any kind of manipulation what proportion of undecided voters can be shifted. So all you have to do for any given uh, election is figure out roughly what proportion at some point in time of people are still undecided. 
And then we know with each given technique, and we detect those techniques with our monitoring systems, with each technique, we know what proportion of voters can be shifted, and then we just do the arithmetic. It's pretty simple. Really? And Yeah. And so no, and, 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 and no one talks about this in the mainstream news. Why do you think that is? Because in 2019, I was asked to testify before Congress about my work. Uh, until that time, for 40 years, I had had an absolutely impeccable reputation as a scientist and scholar. Uh, but I testified. I, you know, I, I, I did my thing, whatever. And, and Donald Trump, good grief, tweeted about my testimony. Oh. Okay, then what happened that was worse, because then Hillary Clinton, whom I had always supported, replied oh. to Donald Trump's tweet with language I'm sure she was handed by Google's PR department and said that Dr. Epstein said that my work had been debunked and was based on data from 21 undecided voters. I'm sure that came straight from Google's PR department. That got picked up by the New York Times and a hundred other mainstream publications and I got cut off just like Dershowitz. I got cut off, I literally, even last week, there were, there were stories published in Arizona because I testified before their state legislature. Even last week, there were stories saying that my work had been debunked. That's absurd. We continue to publish in the top journals in the world. No one has ever debunked my work at all in any manner, shape, or form. That's what happened to me, and that's why people aren't discussing this. But we're still collecting the data, and now we're building a massive permanent system in all 50 states as of this moment, we have about 12,000 field agents in all 50 states who are monitoring big tech content 24 hours a day through their computers. We're not just monitoring it, we're preserving it so it can be analyzed. Well, how do you set up a system with 12,000 people? I mean, how did that happen? Obviously, you don't have funding for this, do you? Do you have funding for this? Of course we have funding. We get funding from... People such as yourself, every day we get uh, uh, sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands of donations, small donations every single day. Really? Uh, and we get big donations sometimes from people or from foundations. Uh, we started setting up this permanent system uh, late last year with uh, $3 million. And uh, we've now, we now have a system which has preserved more than 40 million ephemeral experiences on multiple platforms. That's the content they use to manipulate and that's normally lost forever. 2018, there was a leak of emails, you can check it out, went through the Wall Street Journal, in which Google employees were discussing how can we use ephemeral experiences to change people's views about Trump's travel ban. <clears throat> well, my head spun when I saw that because that's what we had been studying in our controlled experiments since 2013. And the point is, they know they have that power at Google, and we know now from leaks from the company and whistleblowers that they use that power strategically and deliberately on a massive scale, not just in the United States, but around the world. So what kind of, uh, so do you, so now that you have this set up, do you think they're going to, so do you think that you've cracked their ability to manipulate elections like this because of your monitoring? You think that you can make sure that in 2024, Google can't do this? Positively, because with a system like this, this is, uh, this is remember Justice Brandeis's famous line about sunlight is the best disinfectant? Yes. And the other half of that quote that no one knows except me is that uh, street lamps <laughs> are the best policemen. <clears throat> and uh, the, uh, yeah, that's true. And the fact is, that a system, a large-scale system, when it's fully operational, it will make Google and other companies, for the first time, accountable to the public. They have never been accountable. This will make them accountable. We're, we are just a few weeks from now, we'll be filing the first ever complaint against Google with the Federal Election Commission based on more than two and a half million ephemeral experiences that we preserved in the days leading up to the 2022 midterm elections. We're being helped by a very, very prominent uh, D.C. attorney who wrote a lot of the regulations for the Federal Election Commission. Uh, he said, our data show unequivocally that Google is in violation of federal election law and FEC regulations. This is just the beginning. Uh, with the massive amount of data that we're collecting, 
all kinds of parties, members of Congress, AGs around the country, parenting groups, you name it, are going to be able to file lawsuits, uh, are going to uh, be able to start boycotts. Uh, you know, there there is, once you have the data, once you preserve the data, again, it's all this ephemeral stuff that's normally lost forever, but once you preserve it, they're stuck because they can't play these games anymore because we are catching them. And it's not just elections, it's our kids. This is our newest area of research. And I am so distraught. I have five kids myself, and I am so distraught by what we're finding. I, I can't even believe it. What I can't are you believe finding? The, well, it's incredible. It's just incredible arrogance. It's hubris of these people. Uh, they, they are correcting kids, young and old. They, they correct what people are typing uh, onto Google Docs to make it politically correct. Hmm. On YouTube, they are addicting kids to YouTube by using the the most heinous of psychological weapons. For example, kids are watching cartoons, and we're monitoring, by the way, now from the devices of real children. We're picking up this content and preserving it. The kids are watching a cartoon, perfectly normal, looks pretty standard and straightforward, and then all of a sudden, someone someone's head blows off. Yeah, or someone just turns to dust or, I mean, horrible things happen. They last a half a second or a second, then they disappear. And then it goes on again as normal. But if you look at YouTube to look at what part of the video is the most played, you find a spike right there, right at that spot where that horrible, disgusting, terrible thing that's completely unexpected, where that happens, kids play that over and over and over. And that is extremely addicting. That's called negativity bias in psychology. That is extremely addicting. They are using, I'm telling you, the, 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 the most outrageous techniques of manipulation. And they're doing this deliberately and strategically. And now for the first time, we're capturing this content and archiving it. So here's my... Okay. Now... Here's what I'm going to tie in. So it shows that Google, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Wikipedia, all these have been under the influence by the deep state. For example, you're getting to know some of the names of the Jeffrey Epstein victims and perpetrators. Nothing's going to happen to them. The Prisker family, the governor of uh, Illinois, Nothing's going to happen. Uh, Richardson's dead, the former governor of New Mexico, and very specific claims by the victims. Nothing will happen. But here's what you haven't heard. Who went in and confiscated all of these sex tapes in all of his mansions, New York, West Palm Beach, the Bahamas, and New Mexico, where thousands of sex acts were occurring, with underage girls, the FBI. Why haven't they released any of that? And why has not a single person of the thousands of people who are perpetrators been brought to justice or indicted? And why was Jeffrey Epstein only brought to trial on one single count when he acknowledged that he was having sex three times a day, seven days a week for years with young underage 12, 13 year old girls? And they only brought one charge, and then he didn't have to go to hard prison. He was in the county jail, and they let him out to go back to his home and work during the daytime. He only had to sleep there. That's what happens when you have the information that can blackmail powerful people. It was all about blackmail. He was connected to the CIA, Mossad, as was Ghislaine Maxwell, and her father also. Did you know that Obama knew, Clinton knew, Biden knew, Comey, the head of the FBI, knew, Brennan, head of the CIA, knew, McCabe, at the Justice of the FBI, Stroke, at the FBI, Clapper, at the head of the National Security Agency, Rosenstein, at the uh, Department of Justice. So the FBI, the White House, Department of Justice, all knew that Trump was innocent, yet they chose to get FISA warrants so they could spy on Americans. That was all illegal. And that's come out in testimony. 
and yet not a single thing done to any of these organizations, and the media continues to use them as a credible source. Well, at least you know the truth, even if the media refuses. So now let's hear Jim Jordan ask the head of the FBI for information, not on this case, but just show you how corrupt they are. Thank you. Uh, Director, was Agent Peter Strzok the former deputy head of counterintelligence at the FBI? I don't remember his exact title, but I believe that's correct. And he's the same Peter Strzok who was a key player in the Clinton investigation, the same Peter Strzok who interviewed Cheryl Mills, Huma Abedin, participated in the Clinton, uh, Secretary Clinton's interview. And he's also the same Peter Strzok who now we know changed Director Comey's exoneration letter, changed the term gross negligence which is a crime, to extreme carelessness. Is that the same guy? Well, Congressman, I don't know every step that uh, the individual you mentioned was involved in, but certainly I know that he was heavily involved in the uh, Clinton and he, email and investigation. Thank you. And, he, and is, it's, is this the same Peter Strzok who helped, uh, was a key player in the Russian investigation, and the same Peter Strzok who was put on Mueller's team, uh, special counsel Bob Mueller's team? I certainly know that he was working on the special counsel's investigation. Whether or not he would be characterized as in a key same, player on that investigation, that's okay, really not this, for me to say. And the same Peter Strzok that we learned this past weekend was removed from the special counsel team because he exchanged text messages with a colleague at the FBI that were displayed a pro-Clinton bias. Is that accurate? Yes. Talk about the same guy. Okay. Yes. Well, here's what I'm not getting. Peter Strzok is selected to be on Mueller's team after all this history, put on Mueller's team, and then he's removed for some pro-Clinton text messages. I mean, there are all kinds of people on Mueller's team who are pro-Clinton. There's been all kinds of story. PolitiFact reported 96% of the top lawyers' uh, uh, contributions went to Clinton or Obama. But Peter Strzok, the guy who ran the Clinton investigation, interviewed Mills, Abedin, interviewed Secretary Clinton, changed gross negligence a crime to the term extreme carelessness, ran the Russian investigation, who interviewed Mike Flynn, gets put on Mueller's team, and then he gets kicked off for a text message that's anti-Trump. If he kicked everybody off Mueller's team who was anti-Trump, I don't think there'd be anybody left. So here, here there's got to be something more here. It can't just be some text messages that show a pro-Clinton, anti-Trump bias. There's got to be something more. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. But my hunch is it has something to do with the dossier. Director, did Peter Strzok help produce and present the application to the FISA court to secure a warrant to spy on Americans associated with the Trump campaign? Congressman, I'm not prepared to discuss anything about uh, a FISA process in this not a, We're not talking about what happened in the court. We're talking about what the FBI took to the court, the application. Did Peter Strzok, was he involved in taking that to the court? I'm not going to discuss in this setting anything to do with the FISA court applications. Well, let's, let's remember a couple things, Director. And I know you know this. We've, we've all been made aware of this in the last few weeks. Let's remember a couple things about the dossier. The Democrat National Committee and the Clinton campaign, which we now know we're one and the same, paid the law firm who paid Fusion GPS, who paid Christopher Steele, who then paid Russians to put together a report that we call a dossier full of all kinds of fake news, National Enquirer garbage. And it's been reported that this dossier was all dressed up by the FBI, taken to the FISA court, and presented as a legitimate intelligence document that it became the basis for granting a warrant to spy on Americans. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that actually took place. It sure looks like it did. And the easiest way to clear it up is for you guys to tell us what was in that application and who took it there. Congressman, our staffs have been having extensive interaction with both intelligence committees on our interaction with the FISA court, and I think that's the appropriate setting for those questions. Here's what I think, Director Ray. I think Peter Strzok, head of counterintelligence at the FBI, Peter Strzok, the guy who ran the Clinton investigation, did all the interviews. Peter Strzok, the guy who was running the Russian investigation at the FBI. Peter Strzok, Mr. Super Agent at the FBI. I think he's the guy who 
who took the application to the FISA court. And if that happened, I mean, think if this happened, if you had the FBI working with a campaign, the Democrats campaign, taking opposition research, dressing it all up and turning it into an intelligence document and taking it to the FISA court so they could spy on the other campaign, if that happened, that is as wrong as it gets. And you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. You could clear it all up. You could clear it all up for all of us here, all the Congress who wants to know, and frankly, all of America who wants to know. You could clear it all up by release. We sent you a letter two days ago. Just release the application. Tell us what was in it. Tell us if I'm wrong. But I don't think I am. I think that's exactly what happened. And if it did, it is as wrong as it can be. And people who did that need to be held accountable. The trouble is they're not going to be held accountable. Nobody is ever held accountable in a powerful position, ever. Not at the CIA, not at national security, not homeland security, not, uh, not at uh, any of the bureaus, Treasury Department, and look at how many crimes against humanity. And what I'm suggesting is this. Virtually all the information you get on COVID, on digital currency, on um, the justification for the wars in, in Iraq, Afghanistan, in, in Libya, in Ukraine, in the coups in Honduras, and all of this. The people lie, the media supports it, the legislatures are paid uh, nice amounts of money in their campaigns to do what they're told. So, now we go to another issue that's important to everyone living in New York and California. New York is turning into the nation's preeminent medical and vaccine police state. Pure fascism. January 23rd, there's going to be a health freedom rally in Albany against a series of draconian New York health bills to give us some insight of why you should take the time to be there. And if for some reason you can't, then let the legislature in New York know that you're opposed to what they're doing up there. There's now a flurry of bills in New York State's Assembly and Senate that violate every medical health freedom that remains and would essentially turn New York into a vaccine medical police state. Our guest, Michael Kane, has been at the forefront organizing New Yorkers to oppose such bills, as well as lawsuits against state agencies. Michael worked as a New York City public school teacher for over 14 years and was fired by the New York City Department of Education for refusing to get the COVID vaccine. He is the founder of Teachers for Choice, a grassroots organization of educators and parents that is 100% opposed to all medical mandates to maintain employment. And by the way, in 2020, he sued New York City schools over privacy rights violations when they mandated a COVID test, a testing company to data bank DNA specimens. And during the COVID crisis, Michael worked at the grassroots organizer as an organizer for the Children's Health Defense Fund. Currently works for the American Values 2024 Medical Freedom Super PAC. Nice to have you with us today, Michael. Gary, thanks so much for having me on today. It's great to be here. I understand, unless I'm wrong, that a majority of the people showing up at all these demonstrations are this audience. Every time, Gary, that I am in Albany or at City Hall or we're doing a rally, somebody comes up to me and said, I only found out about this on the Gary Knoll Show. So I always got to come on here. Shout out to your audience. They're always engaged. They're always involved. And uh, we, we absolutely love it. You have a very, very engaged and active audience. Thank God for that. <laughs> God bless thank, them. Thank you. We only have five minutes. So please talk about how. S1531. I repeat, S, that stands for Senate, S1531. It's the inclusion of adult vaccine records man mandatory in a statewide vaccine database. How this violates every principle of medical privacy and physician's duty of confidentiality. The database will be used to identify and punish people. It has already been used to enforce COVID passports and mandates. It'll be, um, it will be other shots in the future. And we currently have a mandatory children's vaccine database its right. only purpose is to track children for compliance, enforcement, and punishment. Tell me what else we're missing and why this is so bad. Yeah, th this one is important. A mandatory adult vaccine database. This really isn't to track those who got the shots. It's to track those of us who have not 
gotten them. And just like they've done to kids, what do they then do? They push you out of spaces, push you out of schools. And we just saw it. They tried to push us out of our jobs, stop you from going to get, get lunch from the local cafe. So this is a really important bill we need to stop. It's a scary one because it did pass the assembly in the last session, but that's all that it did. So we're going to have a strategy to focus on the senators and stop it from passing the Senate. Because if it does pass the Senate, then it goes to Hochul's desk, the governor, to possibly be signed. Now, if we show up, we can stop this. If we don't show up, guess what? We won't stop it. It's that. It's plain and simple. So I want everybody to go to teachersforchoice.org, teachers, F-O-R, choice, dot org, and all the information of January 23rd is going to be there. We're going to have buses coming from downstate. The information on that is coming very soon. And we have other bills we need to oppose, too, to all the parents out there. There is a bill that is absolutely ridiculous that would allow all medical procedures to be made by children without parental knowledge or consent. This is completely bonkers. I'm talking psychotropic medication, vaccination, dental, surgery. I don't know what they're thinking in Albany. But I know what needs to happen. They need to hear from you. They need to hear from us on January 23rd. So if you go to teachersforchoice.org, the links are all there for what to do, how to start contacting your lawmakers, make those phone calls, send those emails. And remember this, this is an election year. (laughs) This is one of those years they really, really do listen to voters and get afraid about what we actually desire. So activate now. We've beaten Tons of bad bills before, just like Gary has done in the past as well, too. And we could do it again as long as you come on out with us. This bill is A6761. I repeat, write it down, please. A6761. Children of any age could be given drugs, including all the psychiatric drugs, vaccines, dental procedures, hospitalizations, even surgery. And the parents wouldn't know it because it does not require parental consent. So this is terrible. The other bill is S6103. It allows minors 14 years old to be given any vaccine recommended for children without parental consent. And uh, there's also no minimal age. Why don't you go to GaryAndAll.com, go to articles and start reading the 72 articles I've written on vaccine safety and efficacy. And then ask yourself, If this information is legitimate and here's all the footnotes, here's the scholarship, then why would any sane person take a vaccine without first doing their homework and having a a second opinion? So, Michael, we look forward to people getting up there. There's a a whole bunch of these. I mean, I'm looking at all these. uh, (laughs) In fact, the A2125, A2125 seeks to repeal, in effect, parts of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The bill would ban religious exemptions from vaccine mandates and, and for employment and college. And, uh, and also, A1811 and S1945 makes the flu vaccine one of the most dangerous, worthless vaccines imaginable, mandatory to attend school in New York. Wow. So, you, know, again, you know, Gary, they have, they have this crazy wish list of things they want to do in the dark when no one's watching. But when eyeballs come up there, they scatter and run into the corner like roaches, and they don't pass it. So everybody come on out. We can stop this together. We've done it before. We can do it again. Thank you, Michael. Please, everyone. Thank- and, Michael, try to get, a, a, try to get a, a big screen TV so we can Zoom so myself and other people who can't be there physically can still be there and give our support. We're out of time for WBAI. I want to thank you all. You're going to go to the news. We're going to continue to the top of the hour. Thank you very much, Michael Kane. Thank so, you. You can't change something if you don't acknowledge it's real and important. Now, in this segment, going up, I want to give something special to the uh, audience. Um, it's our it's a special that will help get you into this new year in a good way. And I always ask people in the audience, you know, what What would you like to see on special and why? And the biggest amount of positive feedback we've gotten is people who have not been able to be in the anti-aging group. It's very vigorous and a lot of people can't be there. But for those of you who can't but want to do as much as possible to help yourself, 
stay younger longer, prevent disease, impact disease that you currently have, then I've gotten a lot of information for you. Here it is. First and foremost is our anti-aging elixir. This is all organic ingredients. It's all the uh, fresh fruits from around the world that I've selected based upon their healing capacity. And it all goes into a bottle. It's not pasteurized, so you've got to shake it and refrigerate it after you use it. But you talk about something powerful. What's in the anti-aging elixir? Because if there's one product against all the other products for aging, this is it. It's got the proprietary blend of apples and cherries. And again, these are all organic. Pomegranates, mangoes, papaya, beets, goji, elderberry, cranberry, blueberry, acai, nopal, noni, turmeric, ginger, vitamin C, uh, apple pectin, aloe vera, kakadu, which is a plum, uh, moringa, uh, stevia, and uh, a cherry pineapple flavor. It's good tasting, but man, is this good for you. There's no other product in the world that I know that I believe will do as much for your anti-aging as this anti-aging elixir. You can have one capful in the morning. Now, but what if you need more information? Well, how about Age is Only a Number? Multi-award winning documentary. It's a long documentary. It's got all these great uh, scientists in it. I traveled all, all over the place to interview people who have good clinics doing good, legitimate work. So there have been many extravagant claims made for miracle pills and revolutionary diets, mystery uh, cosmetics. To me, those are nonsense. But if you want to slow down and reverse the aging process, then you have to look at what goes into that protocol. And this documentary has it all. It's two hours and 12 minutes. All right. Then I got another documentary on aging, Staying Young Forever. In this documentary, you'll explore how to slow down and reverse the symptoms of aging with the newest natural estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, anti-aging, hormone rebalancers that are made from nature, not synthetic, um, and uh, how to rejuvenate your body your skin, your body, your facial rejuvenation, it's all in here. Everything you need to know about phytochemicals, antioxidants, amino acids, healing herbs, it's all all explained in here. It's three hours long. I repeat, three hours. So now you're up to five hours of information and some of the best experts in the world who are going to be giving this data. So that's our package today. But to make sure that everybody in here can stay younger longer, who may not be able to, uh, oh, and by the way, there's one other, age, uh, aging is natural, growing old is an option. That's my newest multi-award winning documentary just out this year, uh, where we actually took people through anti-aging protocols on campus. A peer review article was just published on the results of this, and we actually extended people's lifespan. First time it's ever been done and documented in a multi-disciplinary study. You're getting three documentaries. The value of this package, if you buy it retail, uh, is $264.95. How much are you paying? $90. You're saving $175. That's more than 66% off today. Okay? I believe most of the people in this audience care about their health, and this gives you a roadmap and protocols to help you step by step. Five hours, uh, no, seven hours of information and plus this anti-aging elixir. So how about that to start the new year? Doing something positive for yourself. Give a call, 877-627-5065, 877-627-5065, and, uh, or call Neil in the vitamin closet or go visit him at uh, 35 West 35th Street, Penthouse. There is... Saturday, uh, Monday through Saturday, noon to 8 o'clock at night. His number is 646-926-5430. 646-926-5430. Or you can just order it online. Anyhow, start your new year positive. Everything positive. Okay? On Monday, we're going to go after artificial intelligence and... We have someone you've never heard or seen before, a top scientist, MD, PhD, and he's got new information about 
how bad COVID vaccines actually were. He has all the data, and we'll be sharing that with you exclusively. First radio program in America to do this, and that'll be on Monday's show. Have a nice weekend, everyone.